Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. In my duties, it is Blaze and Ride Radio, first episode of 2014. Where does the time go? It's 8 p.m. You're checking in on a Monday night, and uh, we got a great show for you tonight. We have uh, country sensation Kevin Grube. Uh, we have Blaze and Ride favorite and the Bill Murray to my Letterman. If I can, if I would go so far as to compare either of us and either of those people, uh, we have Sean Broyles. And we, in just a moment, will have uh, the lovely Jordan Ferber. Hey, hey, guys, I'm, t- I'm talking to men here. Uh, do, do, you, do you like buying razors? Let me see if our, if our first guest of 2014. Jordan, do you like buying razors? Oh, I love it. It's, uh, it's becoming a huge addiction for me this year so far. Okay. Well, see, the thing is, I usually hate buying razors, but the thing is that if you go to our website, blazingryeradio.com, and click on the banner at the bottom of the homepage that says, Buying Razors Sucks, you can head over. It will take you over to Dollar Shave Club where you can select one of their great razors, pay one monthly low fee, and they'll send them right to your door. No more overpaying for the mock duck butter three with wings. It's all gravy train. So no more forgetting to buy your blades. Just head over to blazingryeradio.com, and uh, maybe you'll run into Jordan Ferber buying some blades over there as well. How are you, sir? Yeah, if, I can, if I can get past the security measures that they put into place behind the razors. I don't know why those are locked up. Uh, they locked up safer than they have the booze. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, what is the deal with that? Why? Right out, of the, out of the thing, but i gotta get, I got to get a customer service representative to unlock it. It's, it's so odd to me. It's such a pain in the ass. To, it really is a pain in the ass to buy the razors, mainly because you can't get to them. Yeah, that's really what it is. I want to, I need to shave now. <laughs> um, so, uh, Jordan Ferber, one of our favorites here. You are the first guest of the new year. Jordan runs a monthly show at the Way Station in Prospect Heights, Brooklyn. The show is called I Got a Bad Feeling About This. Yeah, so that's how I feel before every one of my shows. Uh, third Sunday of every month, and the next show is Sunday, January 19th at 7 p.m. But tell me what this new uh, new show of yours is about. Oh well, it's an awesome uh, it's an awesome venue. The venue's the way station. The guy that owns the bar is a huge science fiction nerd. They've got a, a their bathroom is designed like a Doctor Who TARDIS. Um, they've been open for I don't know two years now. I guess they're they're frequently listed on a lot of uh, nerd websites as best bar. It's a really fun uh, fun atmosphere in the place. And I've been running my show there for a little over a year. Uh, obviously, a little bit of a Star Wars theme. I got a bad feeling about this. But also, mm-hmm. it covers my bases uh, from a promotional standpoint, if anybody doesn't enjoy the show. 
Well, you know, <laughs> I did give you a fair warning ahead of time. <laughs> and is it? Uh, I get, a, uh, I get it, a different house band every month, or at least I did get a different house oh, yeah. band every month uh, until I have this. Uh, they're like a, they're a very South American kind of percussion band. Their their name is Wah Wah Wasi, mm-hmm. and they wrote their own version of the Imperial March. So they've been my house band for quite for about six months now. Oh, very nice. And is yeah, it a, a cool. showcase of comedians as much as the last one? Is it what's different about this one? Uh, well, I have the the band opens the show with two songs, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then I start the comedy, and I usually do uh, three comics in the first section of the show, and then the band comes back and does a little intermission, and then uh, I I run the, the next three comedians, and then the band comes and closes out the show. So it's a bit more a little bit more variety than just a straight stand up show. And, you know, we uh, uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, this uh, for our first anniversary of the radio show, we. We had a, a friend of the, our producer at the time um, was comedian uh, Steve Hofstetter, and he showed up uh, at our show, which was very much a variety show, and I think he thought it was going to be a, you know, a bunch of comedians, and he was just going to do a set and leave, and, uh, and he came in, and he was like, what, the, what, is, is this a, what is this? And then, <laughs> you know, he was very surprised, and then he was saying that it was like some sort of weird Wayne's World thing meets a stand-up club meets bands playing and anyway I thought it was nice did he give a favorable review did he blog about it <laughs> um, I don't he gave an unfavorable review right in front of me when he was doing his set because I have a feeling you know uh, Steve Steve is a, is a uh, I like Steve he's an okay guy but he doesn't have too many thoughts that he keeps to himself he keeps uh, everything out there <laughs> that's true um, I have a Facebook friend like that Michelle Kinney my friend uh Rob Dieterman, he met her once, and he always says, you know, I met the girl once, and I feel like I know way too much about her, because all she does is, you know, to tell about her, well, the, her life on Facebook. Stuff you don't really right. need to know sometimes. Anyway, um, do you have people like that in your life, people that just share too much? Yeah. Yeah, my mother, my mother is pretty much the too much information lady, so I, I grew up with it. <laughs> My mother's the type of person that you have to stop her from speaking because otherwise she'll tell you her whole, whole life story followed by the phrase, don't ask. <laughs> like in when there's nothing where there's not even a conversation, yeah. you know, like to waiters. Waiters, you know, oh, tonight our soup. Oh, no, I can't have any soup. I've been on and off the toilet with diarrhea all day. <laughs> don't ask. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Good thing I, uh, right, good well, thing I didn't ask. At- as I said, first show of the new year. Happy New Year, sir. Did you make any yes. resolutions? I have not made a resolution for several years now because, uh, first of all, I think that you don't need a new year to make a resolution. If you make a resolution for yourself, you can do that any day of the year. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, right after you've just assumed that much alcohol, there's no time to be making, you know, rash decisions about the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, what if say somebody uh, drinks fact, way too I much have, alcohol? I've actually, I don't know if you've done the the research, but they say that uh, uh, over eighty percent of the people who make resolutions do not keep them. Oh yeah. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> that's a pretty big percentage. <laughs> um, so you drink a, a shitload of alcohol on New Year's Eve, and you kind of realize the next day, well, you know, I'm an alcoholic. And I woke up on Coney Island for the 30th time in the last seven years, and 
maybe uh, I, sh- I should shut this down. What if that person just makes that happens to make the resolution on January 1st? Then do you think they'll stick with it or no? Well, I think, you know, you just got to look at the, the, the ultimate choices. I think maybe maybe you've got to aim a little lower or aim, aim at something that's more attainable. Perhaps move to Coney Island. <laughs> that's, uh, that, 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 that might be a more attainable goal if you want to, you know, make the decisions and the ultimate consequences of them work out. Just move to Coney Island. You know, you, you, whenever you wake up on the train, you're home. That's true. You'll live closer to where you wake up. I like it. Uh, yeah. Never thought about that. Not that I was asking for me at all, you know. No, no, I'm just <laughs> We've all woken up at Coney Island at some point. I drank too much. Uh, I wound up on Coney Island. They think that I'm, like, riding the cyclone or something. No, I you just passed out on the train, you know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, what's going on in the bit, news uh, today? We cyclone get... can sometimes be a little bit safer. What does? The cyclone sometimes can be a little bit safer. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, so uh, well, let's get into a few topics here. Uh, Liz Cheney, after all that, after all her Senate bid and everything, she called it quits today, dropped out of the race. What do you make of that, Jordan Ferber? Oh, well, I think we all uh, we all uh, were hoping that she would stay in it for just a little bit longer because we all love uh, being able to dunk the clown, you know, that kind of in the political sphere, I think that uh, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know much about politics, but I do know that the, just the name Cheney is going to get people to go one way or the other on it. I think that their, mm-hmm. their track record as a family is pretty, pretty interesting. Just basically <laughs> the fact that they have one daughter who's uh who's, who's a lesbian and married to her, to her life partner now and her other daughter who's staunchly against, uh, gay marriage yeah and wants to run for senate in Wyoming I mean you know I don't I, I live I think everybody in Wyoming lives far enough away from their neighbors to never have to hear any, what anybody else thinks <laughs> yeah why do they even need senators over there yeah why <laughs> um, speaking of the lesbians your your old show straight up stand up was that all, it was solely for straight comedians right just well, no, it was uh, no. I had I had plenty of gay comedians on there. Um, it was it was just I felt like there were so many there's so many shows out there at the time that were niche shows, you know, the, the, that had a, a particular audience or a particular type of comedian on it, and I felt like the what happened to just a straight up stand up show. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Well, boy, did I get that one wrong. Um, yeah. And let's talk about this teacher lost 37 pounds by eating. McDonald's. Now, I, you know, when I try to lose weight, I, the first thing I think is certainly not McDonald's. Well, what about you? Yeah, well, <laughs> I think that if you think about McDonald's when you want to lose weight, you know, it depends on how much of it you're eating. I think from what I read about that story, it, 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 the 45-minute-a-day walk that he added to his regimen is what lost him the weight. I mean, it doesn't matter what yeah. you eat if you're not getting up and walking around a little bit, you're probably going to pack on a few pounds. Yeah. So if I mean, he was eating I mean, McDonald's great, this and just sitting there all the day, first, then, then uh, this is the, no good. This is like the first pro-McDonald's story I think I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. The other story right. that I heard about McDonald's was like came out, like I guess, earlier this year about a, a, a teacher 
who used to go around talking about how McDonald's didn't have any real nutrition in it, and he had a cheeseburger that he left in his jacket, and he ended up leaving it in the trunk of his car or a box in his garage or something for 15 years, and it did not look any different. Not a single piece of bacteria broke it down. Nothing. Bugs wouldn't eat it. And no. and ultimately, that story was a negative, uh, you know, anti-McDonald's story. But if McDonald's really wanted to try to get good press out of it. They could swing that to be a pro-McDonald's story about how their food never goes bad. Put that in your uh, in your in your bunker. <laughs> you know, on New Year's Eve, this kid told a this guy told a story about um how when he and his uh, friends were were teenagers, they had like a a, a bet that whoever got married first had to drink th- this can of Coors Light that they put like by the window of this kid's house, and then the kid who got married um, he drank it. And I guess, I guess he got like uh, you know this is like 15 years later, and he he took like <laughs> one sip and immediately vomited all over the place. Huh. Yeah. Well, there is something to be said for that best buy date. So I guess McDonald's, you know, you don't have to worry about that. You could leave that on the windowsill for 15 years and be fine. Yeah, I think I think you you know you might want to uh, make sure you sharpen your teeth. <laughs> or heat it up at least something, you know, because it's. You know, I have a feeling that it'll be a bit of a hockey puck. Or maybe one of these ladies can can come and turn you into a vampire. You know. Yeah, there you go. And lastly. Steven Seagal um, has announced that he might have some interest in running for governor of Arizona. What do you think about that? Yes. Marked for governor. Who? I think that uh, I said marked for governor. That's the, uh, <laughs> uh-huh. that's the headline that I've been seeing that people have been putting up on. I think that's the Daily News or the New York Post yes. uh, headline for it. <laughs> marked for governor. Mm-hmm. You know, I think uh, good luck to him. I think it'll be interesting. I I find that most voters enjoy uh, voting for people that they've heard of before. Mm-hmm. That's how that's that's how Jesse the Body Ventura got elected. That's how uh, I think Al Franken got elected. You know, even if they uh, know what they're doing, I, just the public uh, notoriety being in that public spotlight, people will know who you are. I. I I think Steven Seagal is pretty ridiculous as to the fact that he's he, he's he, he announced that he's mulling over running for governor in an interview about his new show on Real TV about him being a a volunteer bounty hunter or something. I don't know. Yeah, that's what his he's a he's a, he's a volunteer civilian bounty hunter, and <laughs> I think he's really just trying to. Maybe shove a little attention aside from the fact that you know he's a, he's he's a he's be, he's paying to be a cop. <laughs> no, nobody wants to hire him to be in a big budget movie anymore, so he's got to still find a way to make a living carrying a gun. <laughs> <laughs> what I found um, a bit disturbing about it is that he it seems that the main reason that he wants to be governor is to tighten border security, which I guess in Arizona, if you want to be governor, that's, you know, you want to go there to do that. But now I just think he's kind of a dick. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know... Tremendous actor, though. It's a very uh, it's a very slim platform to run on. <laughs> yeah. If I'm elected, um, there will be no more Mexicans in the state. Well, all right. <laughs> and, uh, hey, hey, before you go, this, this show that you have in Prospect Heights, is that... Your crowd there is that is that where all the cool kids live nowadays? You know, I don't know what the story is about where the cool kids want to live. Uh, I used to live in that neighborhood, and I got priced out of it. So I'm guessing that that's what's happening over there. It has definitely uh, there, there are definitely a lot more white people living in Crown Heights and Prospect Heights than there used to be. Oh boy, and, and, and it happens happy to be one of the few neighborhoods that actually is steps to the Brooklyn Museum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know how I don't know how far away from the Brooklyn Museum you have to be for them not to be able to put that in the real estate listing. <laughs> Steps <laughs> to the Brooklyn Museum. Yep. Uh, all but right, it's a well, fun, check uh, it it's out. Definitely, it's definitely, uh, uh, definitely. I think there are some cool kids. I I have a feeling that there are probably more legitimately cool people versus uh, douchey hipsters that are hanging out in the way station. <laughs> I have kind of a thing for douchey hipsters that I'm like, I'm really, like, sexually attracted to them. Oh, yeah? Well, I've seen some of the world's youngest grandmothers hanging out there. <laughs> now I know where to go. All right. Jordan <laughs> Ferber, the show is uh, at the way station in Prospect Heights. It's called I Got a Bad Feeling About This. It's monthly, next one, January 19th, 7 p.m. It's a Sunday. Go check it out. Jordan, always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. Happy New Year. And uh, you do to you as well. Thank you. Good night. Bye. All right, next up on the show, uh, we have got my old buddy, fellow orange uh, person, Kevin Groob. Kevin, how are you? Brian, I'm good, man. Go orange. Go orange. Kevin has a new CD out. It's called Heart Strings. Strings or Swing? Oh, my God. What is it? Strings or Swing? Please. You screwed it up already. It's a it's a clever play on words. It's part swing. Swing. Explain explain the title to me. Well, um, as I got about halfway done writing the songs, I realized it was just going to be pretty much a relationship album, and it started to kind of tell a story, um, you know, from through the end of a relationship, through breaking up, through dating, uh, you know, through meeting someone new, and I thought it was a combination of you know, music that tugs at the heartstrings, but also like mood swing with kind of what it feels like when you go through, you know, those kind of issues. So I came up with heart swings. And it is not an album of old swing standards? No, not this time. I thought about it. <laughs> um, we had a guy on the show named Jim Caruso who did a bunch of, you know, compilation of swing songs, and he called it the swing set. And he was shocked that no one had taken that title before. How about that? That is a good title. So, Kevin, you have a new album out. You have a, a fiancé. You're back on Blazing Rye. Have you felt like this in years? <laughs> no, I, I uh, have not. That's a, I see what you did there. You've taken some lyrics from my title song, first song. Yeah. Uh, but no, the truth is I haven't. You know, uh, things are things are going great. And I was I was actually thinking, um, you know, how how many things have changed since last time I uh, sat down with you on this. Yes. What do you think about our set, by the way? It's new. Your set? Yeah. 
What do you mean you're? Oh, you, it's it's gorgeous. <laughs> thank you, thank uh, you. Yeah. These new uh-huh. lush seats. It's nice. <laughs> it's a nice studio. That I we brought in the plush seats just for you. We knew you uh, were a plushie. Is that what that means? Yeah, I mean, I probably would have walked out if you didn't have appropriate seating. <laughs> um, in in that song, felt like this. You talk about uh, high school drama. We made them laugh out loud. That line, as a, a fellow theater person, jumped out at me. What were you referring to there? You know, that song was really just about being in an extremely good mood. Um, and it was actually, mm-hmm. I wrote it right after I released my first album, and I heard some great feedback from friends, and I, I, I hadn't remember actually feeling like that since, um, you know, in high school we did these, like, kind of sketch comedy shows to benefit senior scholarships, um, these kind of skit night things, and we all worked together and wrote them and, you know, put them up in front of the whole community in the high school, and honestly probably some of the best times uh, I had in high school, and that's, that feeling reminded me of that. So that's where that comes from. Oh. Very nice, very very sentimental. Um, And in that song you talk about, I know this karaoke room, I really don't care if you go out of tune. Do you kind of care as a vocalist? Do you care a little bit? I would rather, I mean, there might be a cringe face if someone, I mean, I go out of tune to karaoke. I I would rather have that than someone who rehearsed the song in their apartment and then came in karaoke. (laughs) You know, I mean, I would, that's the worst when you're like, oh, they they practiced this three times before they came here, and it's, you know you get a, you get that a lot in New York. <laughs> I'd rather have By the way, go for it. What's up with all these? Uh, you know, with all due respect, what's up with with all of our musicals? A lot, sorry, of our musical theater friends being or allegedly just saying they're terrified of karaoke. I don't understand <laughs> why that is. I agree with you. I hear it a lot. I think they they. Fears they have to be perfect and they'll get judged. Karaoke for me is an inclusive, come one, come all activity. There's no judgment. You know, if I want to sing yeah. an Atlanta song, it's going to be terrible, but it's going to be amazing at the same time. That's a, after uh, my last breakup, uh, Kate Doyle was hosting karaoke at the Watering Hole, and she said, and I said, uh, you know, what's a good angry song? And she said, You Ought to Know by Alanis Morissette. And I did it, and uh, the, the parts where that she gets like kind of like rap singy, singy, rappy, that part yeah. I could do pretty well. But most of the song, I was horrible. See, and I, I would have applauded it. <laughs> I mean, I was angry. I had to do something, you know? Yeah, you got to do it. That's what it's for. It's about the emotions. It's not about the pitch. Exactly. Hey, I didn't even know that you were a karaoke enthusiast. Why have we never karaoke? Together. I know. I was talking about that to uh, to Kenny. We've never done it either, but I, I do love it. Yeah. And we you should know that uh, organize Kinney, Our friend Michelle Kinney got fired from her karaoke hosting job. I, I, did, I did know that, actually. <laughs> did you know that she announced it to the, to the world on Facebook? That was so, like, Kinney's... It's so... She's now known for just sharing way too much. Uh, like my friend, I was just telling Jordan that my friend Rob said, you know, I met this girl once, but I know every detail about her life, but she is just notorious, and I'll never forget. She was like, well, guys, I just got fired from the watering hole, so there's that. <laughs> thought that was oh, amazing. there you go. Yeah, great status. Um, shout out to Michelle Kenny. Uh, <clears throat> so we're going to play some, some, some of your music. Uh, awesome. Tell us a little bit about your song, 
take care of yourself. Is this about anyone in particular? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's my big, uh, you know, there's several breakup songs on it, but that was, um, uh, you know, I wrote that about my ex-girlfriend. It was right, it was actually the first attempt at writing something about the breakup afterwards, and I, it was, it was kind of so soon and so raw, I didn't feel like I could intellectualize about it or draw anything from it. I just essentially wrote what happened. Um, okay. But the title comes from in the chorus, I, you know, um, when we said goodbye to each other, she dropped me off at the airport, and uh, I, all I could think of to say was, take care of yourself, which I don't know, it just kind of struck me as that I would say something caring and that I was still furious, and I don't know. It was, uh, so I don't really comment on it. I just say, you know, what happened. Yeah. All right. Well, this is Kevin Groob with Take Care of Yourself, and it's off the album Heart Swings uh, that you can get on uh, the iTunes and the Amazon and uh, the any any other where else are there people buying music these days? Yeah, it's on it's on the iTunes, Amazon, which is excellent to support. There's a great independent music site called PD Baby, and that's the company mm-hmm. I use that uh, on there. It takes a little more time because you're going to have to set up an account and a login, but uh, independent musicians get actually the most from that site. It's a good site to support. Cool. All right, well, this is Take Care of Yourself by Kevin Groove. We will be right back with Kevin. Take 
Yeah. You know? Great moment. Yeah. I have no recollection of that at all, except for I've heard Selvig tell that story before. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does. You were right, man. I don't. You, that's the thing. A lot of times at Syracuse, people would say stuff that just sounded ridiculous. Like, I, I love Lisa Porter, but one time I remember this whole thing she went on in voice verse about what you need to do, guys, is you need to get a MasterCard. And once you get a MasterCard, then you'll be able to do this and that. And then, like, all the people in my, my class were going, mm, oh, yeah, oh, you're so right. But no, what, what, what is she talking about? Oh, no. It, it was kind of it was kind of culty. I mean, we were away from the university, so we're just kind of stuck down there in the snow in the in the little cult drama building. Yeah, <laughs> next to a mental institution, mind you. Right next to a mental, which they bought now, I think. Right. You bought it yourself? No, no I didn't buy it. I, uh, I think the school bought it and put more drama classes in there. Oh, nice. Um, <clears throat> I mean, mental institutions are great venues. I, w- I once went to a wedding in one. Um, friend Bryce got married in a mental institution in, in Venice. So That's lovely. This, uh, you're, you're so, I'm, I apologize if this is a little um, VH1 storytellers-like, but I love the, the songs and I just want to know about them. No, um, I love it. And I, uh, I mean, in all seriousness, I appreciate you you, uh, you know, listening to it this much. and uh, It's uh, very nice. Absolutely. No doubt, man. I well appreciate the music. Uh, your song, Mine Tonight, um, let me ask you about this line. Uh, sure. I don't know if I'm mishearing it or something, or there were Germans right beside me, and you told them we just got married. Kevin, yeah. explain. Um, yeah, that is the correct lyric. Um, okay. As my fiance sits in the next room, I will tell the story. Uh, I went <laughs> um, out with some friends uh, shortly after the breakup, which is why it falls early-ish in the album. And uh, we went out to this kind of speakeasy bar. I'm blanking on the title of it. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, we're there with some friends, and my friend introduced me to her friend. And, uh, you know, she had her eye on me a little bit and kind of, like, took over and said your mind tonight and just kind of drug me around the bar and checked this. And she was, you know, and we sat down to this uh, table. And I think it was like a bottle service table that I've now figured out that we didn't have any reservation for. She just <laughs> sat us down. And these Germans didn't really, and they were German, from Germany on vacation. They spoke very little English. And they kind of asked about us, and she said, oh, yeah, we just we just got married, and this is our honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> and they, I mean, they believed you, I guess. They would have no they, reason not they, to. They, like, cheers to us and, like, bought us a drink. And, yeah. Did you, and this was the first night you met? Yeah, it was the first and only night we met. <laughs> Great question. First night you met. Um, so the did you have to? I mean, this is when you're you're just initially getting to know her. So when you were pretending to be a married couple in front of these Germans, um, I mean, did you act like a married couple? Did you were you all lovey dovey and touchy feely? We're, we're we're actually still in a group of two other people, so it was uh, you know it, it was nothing crazy, but uh, yeah, I mean, she just. Um, I don't actually remember, to be honest with you. I just remember that part where she said that. Uh, I guess you drank too many bottles at that table. It was a little. It was a little too much, uh, merriment, I think. Um, and uh, you guys are are congratulations. When when are you when is the wedding? Is it, a, is it in a mental uh, institution? 
It is not in a mental institution. They were all booked up for next oh, year. Man. All of them. All the ones. Uh, so it's it's in uh, September 6th. It's going to be uh, right outside Philadelphia in Voorhees, New Jersey. Oh. Wow. What date did you say? What, what? What's the wedding date again? Sorry, I didn't hear it. September 6th. Oh, good date. Good month. I was born in that yeah. month. Oh, nice. Not this year. Yeah. Um, yes, well, congratulations on that. That's awesome. Thank you. Julie's a lovely lady. I met her once. Oh, thank you. And that's the only time I'll ever meet her. Well, the first time. No, I think you'll, you'll be seeing her again. <laughs> um, your song, Kevin, uh, Where Are You Tonight? Uh, yep. There's there's a, a lyric on there that reminded me of an R. Kelly lyric. That's now, right, you and R. Kelly. All right, let's hear it. <laughs> now, you know he's my, my dogs. So the line yeah. is, you say, where are you tonight? Are you with somebody new? Well, I am too. And I thought yep. immediately, I was like, damn, son, that was cold. Because that's like that R. Kelly song off of TP3 Reloaded where he goes, like, the chorus is just the coldest thing, and he goes, I've been kicking it with your girlfriend, oh! And, I mean, so, like, harsh, and I thought that line was just so... Yeah, no, that's, that sounds exactly, harsh. exactly the same, those two lines. <laughs> Are you telling me there's no similarities there? I think in the passion, in the, in the fury behind the artist, yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, that's a great it's, song, uh, too. I Let's play you, that R. Kelly, do you um, talk about R. Kelly in every show? Because I was checking out your new website, as instructed, which looks great, by the way. Thanks. But under where you had Bowling for Soup on, it does say the boys dish on the band's new independent record label, The Jive Days, and trade verses on songs by their favorite artist, R. Kelly. Yes, that's... <laughs> I don't talk about him on every episode, but probably most episodes, and that was definitely All right, there one. Which... Jarrett Reddick from Bowling for Soup, where he uh, he and I have a mutual love for, I think it was uh, the video, the music video, Real Talk, where oh, yeah. he was just like, if you ever, like, what, say what you will about R. Kelly, but go Google Real Talk, and if you tell me that he's not the most genius person in music, then something is wrong with you. All right, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and then we sang, we like traded verses on it, which was cool, you know, trading verses with a a guy from a, a band that, that is yeah, uh, awesome. well-known and so talented. Um, the song, Where Are You Tonight? Anything else you want to say about it before we play it? Oh, you're playing it. Uh, that, uh, uh, that's probably one of the songs I'm most proud of that I've ever written. That was um, uh, Julie sang back up on it, which uh, she's got these uh, just very gorgeous harmonies. Um, and I don't know, that was, I just, it, it the, the lyrics just kind of came out um, very quickly, which is unusual for me. It usually takes me a while. Um, I don't know. I'm proud of it. It kind of just encompassed the, the breakup for me, and I felt like I got it out there and could move on a little bit. All right. Kevin Groove with Where Are You Tonight? We'll be right back with the Groovy Group. Love 
Cause what you were dreaming now was not this, not me. Maybe I've seen too many movies where lovers turn to each other.
several of the songs about. She moved to Miami. Oh, I was gonna go. I was gonna go with her, and then uh, she ended things. Well, I, you know, I don't think I need to say you lucked out of that one. Jesus, I'd rather. Oh, I know. Move. I mean, I read an article recently that said basically Miami's gonna sink into the ocean within ten years. So I think I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, that's well. That's part of Steven Seagal's border patrol. Is he's gonna try and just you know make it so that nobody can get in there anymore? Is that nominated this year? <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know how to answer that. Um, your uh, your breakup song. I love this song, and it was a great line. Right away, I knew something was wrong, and the rest is you know, blah blah blah. Tell me a bit about that song. Um, that was uh, that was the very first. I didn't really feel like writing about the breakup, but I felt like writing a song. And this kind of upbeat pop song. Uh, came out. I just felt kind of being snide about it and glib, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I wasn't ready to kind of go to any kind of too serious of a place, and just wanted to write something fun and you know, get rid of the kind of moody gloom that was happening those first few weeks. Well, that's a, a great song. It's a very funny line. Thank blah you. blah blah. <laughs> it's another very harsh lyric, kind of like the R. Kelly song. That's true. You know, it was a little, you know, it's like, well, everybody goes through this. Well, I'm not really unique with it. So, you know, here's what happened, but really blah, blah, blah. Nobody cares. You know, type of of attitude. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We would be remiss if we didn't just discuss a little bit. Um, You mentioned before on the uh, internet, my love for Hootie and the Blowfish. And uh, (laughs) um, I mean, don't you just love them? I do. I think Darius is the man. I even like some of his country stuff. Yeah. Uh, you say that like you're not supposed to. Uh, you know, you know, pop country, I don't know. That could go either way. I'm still not fully sold on that <laughs> that genre, you know. But uh, I think he's a – yeah, I mean, they were great. Cracked Review, one of the best albums of the 90s, for sure. I was thinking about that today. I think it's one of the best albums of all time. No good? It might I mean, it might be. I mean, it's it's one of those you can listen from start to finish. That was one of my first. I remember I was when I switched from tapes to CDs. I was like, I don't know, how old we were, twelve or something, and I finally got my parents' permission to join Columbia House. And we got like ten free CDs <laughs> or whatever, and, and Crack uh-huh. Review was one of them for sure. Yeah, you know, I started off when I was a kid with records, then moved to tapes, then moved to CDs, and the other day I bought a record player. And now I'm back to records, so it's all cyclical. I know they're having this this comeback. You know, you can actually find some Best Buy sell records. Yeah, yeah, I love the vinyl. We had uh, Tommy James uh, on the show recently of Tommy James and the Shondells, and he's talking about how he's this big vinyl nut. And his mm-hmm. manager sent over a bunch of his music and his Christmas records. They sent on CD and on vinyl. And so then I I was going to put it next to my uh, fun. Some Nights vinyl that Andy Grasso uh, got me, and he got, like, the lead singer to autograph it. So I went to put it next to that, and then it fell behind the shelf that I can't, and I can't get behind it. So Tommy James' Christmas record is stuck behind this big bookshelf now, and I'll never see Uh, it again. That's terrible news. (laughs) Yeah, no good. Um, You know what it is is about albums, too? It's it's also, it's it's that giant kind of cover art and liner notes. I always think of that scene in... uh, Almost famous, where 
the sister leaves the kid uh, all her records when she moves away. And he just kind of goes mm-hmm. through and, like, touches them all. You know, I remember getting, well, it's a smaller version, a CD with the album notes and sitting there with the lyrics, and I listened to it. Yes, yes. And and now, you know, there's, you don't really tend to look at anything. Um, no, not at all. But uh, it's, it, it is pretty fascinating the comeback that it's making, uh, vinyl, and nothing nothing sounds like it. Uh, oh, and the last thing I wanted to mention about Hootie is the um, – Sean, I see you on the line, buddy. We'll be right with you. Um, the the other night I was with Jason Friedman. We went to see Inside Lewin Davis. Have you seen this movie? No, but I really want to. Okay. Yeah, it's totally great and everything. Um, so after the movie, we're at some bar, and uh, we're talking about uh, – he mentions that he was just in Nashville, and the, uh, the he and his friend – met this lady at some bar, and she said that she could get them tickets, free tickets to the old Crow Medicine show the next night uh, somewhere in Nashville. So she did, and they went, and, and Friedman was like, do you know about them? And I said, oh, yeah, they're, they're the guys who did Wagon Wheel that now, you know, Darius Rucker has a big hit with. And <laughs> yeah. Friedman goes, they're not happy about that. And I was like, really? Wouldn't they be happy about getting all these royalties? And he goes, nope. They did it as their encore, came out, and they said, and someone else has this song now, kind of made it famous, but it's our song, and they said it with that kind of tone, and uh, and I was just like, I don't know, like it's it's his song now, man. That's Darius's song now. Interesting. Well, I guess maybe the uh, the publisher gave him permission instead of you know, old crow. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was an issue of legality or anything. I think it was more an issue of just like, well, this guy made the song famous, and everyone thinks it's him, right. but it's it's. We we're the ones who wrote it, you know. Right. It's kind of like that. Uh, Tom Waits wrote and sang "Downtown Train," but Rod's it's Rod Stewart's song now. Yeah, that's true. That's who you think of. Yeah. Anyway, Kevin Groove, check him out. KevinGroove dot com. Any uh, are you are you are you lining up any gigs? Can can we come see you live somewhere sometime soon? You know, uh, uh, I guess I probably should have before I came on, but no, I don't have anything. <laughs> As of as of yet, if you want to put me on somewhere, I'm game. Right in my living room in front of my new record player. Would be great. Yeah, right, right in the new studio. <laughs> With the plus seats. Um, yeah. All right, sir. Uh, well, thank you so much for doing it, and uh, come back anytime. Love you, brother. Awesome, Ryan. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Have a good night. Happy New Year. You too. Thanks, you too. Thanks. That was Kevin Groove. Check him out, kevingroove.com. New album, Heart Swings. And I just hung up on my on our next guest. Great. All right. <laughs> uh, let's see if I can get him back. Maybe I dial out or something. <clears throat> God damn it, Holmes. You fucked this one up. God damn it. Oh, okay. He called back right away. Good. <laughs> Good. Sorry, Sean. I hung up on you accidentally. Oh, yeah, accidentally, sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> what a great way to <laughs> First, couldn't remember the, the, the last guy's album name. I couldn't remember if it was Heartstrings or Heartswing. Fucked up the first question of the year. Oh, no. And then I, oh, I no. hang up on you. Oh, that's all right. You, you, but you made things right by uh, having my intro uh, be Hootie. So that, that helped. <laughs> that, that, you, that you at least started thing off on a racially good front. For, 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 you, <laughs> Do people mistake you for Hootie, like that scene in Jerry Maguire with Cuba? 
Yeah, they mistake every black guy for Hootie, actually. Um, and that's, that's pretty much, yeah, man. Yeah, you know what? Hey, I, I'm all for Darius Rucker doing country, man. If I could do something that was like being a white NFL receiver that no one, uh, you know, you, you, can, you can like corner the market on it, shoot, man, I'd be doing it, I'd be doing it too. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but you might shoot yourself in the foot. That's that's all. That's the only reference I can make to football. That's is that a country? Is that a country reference, or is that? I, I think mean, it's a it's a wide receiver reference. I think maybe Plaxico, ah, Plaxico Burris. There you go. That's right. That's Dude, right. That's in yeah. That, I reached. That was actually, but that was actually in your in your neck of the woods. That was in New York. That uh, that Plaxico Dunn shot himself in the thigh. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Whenever I say something, you know, put my Put in my mouth, I say I plaxicoed myself, which now that I think about it, that doesn't make any sense. It sounds dirty. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah, you got Plaxico and you got Santorum and Dirty Sanchez. There you go. <laughs> you throw all that in one sentence and it always works. <laughs> so I got to tell you that uh, right before this um, uh, show tonight, I... I don't know about. I don't know if you've ever gotten addicted to a storyline on a soap opera. Have you? Oh God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> what was your last uh, addiction on one of those? Oh man, it was years ago. But um, I, I used to watch uh, General Hospital with my mom. And, yeah, that's uh, the best. And, yeah, that was the best. So I used to love. There was a uh, a, a guy named Scorpio on there, and and he was uh, he was having like this war with this other guy. I don't know. I think it was Luke. But uh, it was like one of the coolest things because it was action and they were jumping out of airplanes and that was my last big uh, my big soap opera storyline that I was into. What about you? Are you, you, watch, that, you watch General Hospital? Well, I know that that's exactly what you would say to people when they ask you. You watch General Hospital, you'd be like, there was so much action and they were jumping out of planes and you had made it sound as manly as possible. Ah, I, I couldn't. I couldn't rightfully say it was about the love story between Luke and Laura. And oh God, I cried when she had the baby. And um, come on. <laughs> that's. Uh, I mean, because I know because that's what I would do too. But yeah, General Hospital used to be because I used to watch it with my old babysitter Nancy Aaronholtz. We used to watch uh, GH, and I got like addicted to that. And then since um, since college, not so much, uh, mm-hmm. but. I've uh, there. My friend Jake was one half of like the first gay teen storyline ever in daytime on um, As the World Turns, and that was the Louis really? Lois story. Sorry? Okay. I said really. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I so I watched that, and for you know up until the very end, um, and it had all you know the the one guy was making out with his grandmother's husband and all. And, you know, it had all that ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, right. right, which he he was on the show and we talked about that moment. It was it was fun. Um, but then, uh, uh, along the same theme, continuing on with the homosexual storylines, I started watching uh, the Sunny and Will story on Days of Our Lives. And um, okay, uh, Ch- Chandler Massey is like one of my biggest crushes since Zach Morris, and he just <laughs> left the role of Will on uh, Days of Our Lives. He just left, left the, the role. So I tweeted, because I know the next guy who's playing him, his name is Guy Wilson. So I tweeted mm-hmm. at Guy, I was like, when does at Guy Wilson start on um, Days of Our Lives? 
you know, I tagged that and I tagged it for lives, and I said, and then I said, Michael Fairman, the soap guru who's been on our show, can you help me out with this? And uh, it was crazy because nobody uh, outside of it, like Michael Fairman didn't respond, nobody else responded uh, except one other radio person, and then the guy himself, Guy Wilson, responded to me, and so now I I, I got up. a fangirl on it. I was very excited when I got to the text <laughs> to the <laughs> notification when I was on the toilet. <laughs> I love it, too. I love it because I do the same thing if I tweet at somebody like a celebrity or something. If I get a tweet back and I see it pop up on my notifications, I get this warm, just, oh, it's this glow of love that all of a sudden, you know, it envelops my whole soul whenever a celebrity tweets back at you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and God forbid, they, God forbid they follow you. Yeah, exactly. And God forbid they actually follow me. I mean, God, I'm in the bathroom for hours. Um, <laughs> Meanwhile, the previous – and so he responded and said the 8th, the 8th, January 8th is when he starts on the show. So the previous guy, who's my biggest trust in Zach Morris, uh, well, one of them, um, I, uh, I, not only would I tweet him, but I would request him for interviews for the show. And, you know, that's one of those situations where, you know, if I just get a crush on someone, I'll just request them just so I can talk to them. And that's right. – you know, so they probably – they never responded, and it's probably because they could tell, like, who's this creepy guy in his 30s trying to holler at Oh, that's a shame. That's a sad, sad story, my friend. That's just, that's just, I just picture you continually pushing, you know, uh, friend, 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 you know, follow, 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 just trying to get this guy's attention. It's just sad. <laughs> and then I went, and then I went from his publicist who never responded to his manager. And then of course the manager forwards the request to the publicist who continues to never respond and, I'm just left uh, alone here. But at least his successor replied directly to me on Twitter. Well, that's because he. Well, that's because his successor has not gotten to his Zach Morris level yet. I mean, once he gets to that level, then he'll never respond to you either. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think he'll ever get to that <laughs> level, though. <laughs> yeah. So, what is going on with you? Are you having a good start to 2014? It's all right. Um, I just had my, uh, my, first, my first audition today, and I, I went in uh, just completely hungover. I mean, because it was one of these things where you, it was a last-second thing, and I, I was absolutely hungover and, and didn't want to do it. And then I get there, and I was just hoping for a cake audition where, you know, I can just sit there and, and you know, sit in a chair and do something. No, they had me jogging. <laughs> I'm hungover and jogging. I'm already sweating when I walked in because I'm dehydrated. I'm, I'm sweating like a, like a freaking slave. And I walk in there, and, and the next thing I know, I'm jogging. I mean, I, I had to have – the sweat, I think, started smelling like uh, Labatt's for some reason. I didn't even drink Labatt's. It just started smelling like Labatt's. I don't even know why that was. But, but yeah, it didn't go well. <laughs> did, you not, did you drink Labatt's the night before? No, I didn't. That's why I'm shocked that it stunk like Labatt's. I'm like, I didn't even <laughs> having Bloody Marys. How does it smell like Labatt's? Um, and then, and then I cemented the, uh, the 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 end of it when uh, the the casting guy said Happy New Year. I replied Happy Birthday, and I had no idea why. And I said, oh, I mean, sorry, Happy New Year. So I was I was I was a mess all the way around. <laughs> what was the audition for? 
oh, it's a Verizon ad. Uh, some they have, they're coming out with some new product. Uh, I don't know, some sort of like pedometer type product that that links with everything. So I had to pretend like I was jogging while wearing this pedometer thing, and uh, like I said, it didn't go well. Happy I mean, birthday, he says. Happy birthday, I say. I I, I didn't even know where it came from. <laughs> That reminds me of when I was a, a drama student at Syracuse University. I was doing a scene with um, my scene partner at the time, Andrea Schmidt, and my and our teacher Nicole's 320 scene study class. Just so you have yeah. all the details. Yeah, and, I'm um, glad it, yeah, it'll go in the book. <laughs> in the scene, uh, I had to have an orgasm in the scene, so I was you know, very nervous. I think about the Jesus. scene in the first place because I had to, you know, uh, pretend or act as oh my God. that was happening under the table when we were at oh. dinner for um, for Valentine's Day. So the first line of the scene is me saying Happy Valentine's Day, and the scene starts, you know, in front of the class, and I go Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> And my scene partner, Andrea, just starts cracking up uncontrollably, and our teacher goes, go with it, go with it, and, like, acted like it was a good thing, but it was absurd. How did, I want to know how the, I mean, that's funny, but I want to know how the orgasm went. Well, I got good feedback. My, my friend uh-huh. Jason came up and was like, I've never seen you like that before. I was like, I hope not. And he was like, yeah, it was, uh. It was that was really funny. So it, it, I think it was huh. well. Got a lot of laughs. Did you I don't work? Know if it was... Did you work on your O face like in the mirror leading up to the scene? Did you like, you know, try to make the O face as as funny as you could, or what? what I don't know how you prepare for something like that. No, I don't, again, I I didn't even remember that it was Valentine's Day, so I'm not sure how hard I worked on that scene right. to begin with. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, you know, I just went with what I felt like it should go like. And, uh, yeah, well, thankfully, I never had to do that scene again or have an orgasm yeah. in front of my classmates again. Thankfully, it, well, it never reached the Internet. Um, but you said it was Syracuse <laughs> University. What year? Maybe I can I can dig deep and find that tape. <laughs> that would have been in, in 05. Okay. Well, I'll see what I can do. Maybe I can dig up a tape, and next thing you know, you're the – the old face legend uh, that wears orange. <laughs> now, what's going on with Black Dude White Chick, the podcast I love? Well, we have not done it in a while since my wife got a job. Uh, so we, uh, before, neither one of us had anything going, so we just sat and did the, the podcast. We're trying to figure out a way to get it back. Um, but right now, lately, I've been um, writing a new hour stand-up show. So oh, yeah. I'm working on that. Uh, yeah, I'm working on a full hour, so I'm about... I'm about 40 minutes in, uh, so what I'm trying to do, the podcast is on hiatus, so what I'm trying to do is, uh, is finish this hour and then start touring, which I'm, I'll, of course, let you know when that will be. If I could suggest a title for the, the hour-long uh, set, maybe Bigger and Blacker? You know what? I would have gone with that, but first of all, I'm not big. And secondly, uh, Chris Rock had a... Bigger and Black, I think that was the exact name of the show. I oh, think it was okay. called Bigger and Blacker. So I, I, I see where you're coming, and I appreciate the effort. Um, but you've you got to come up with something else for me. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, from what I remember from listening to the podcast previously, your wife 
could not hold a job for, for more than a few days. So this one's lasted no. a while? Dude, it's lasted for months now. Yeah, she's actually working uh, working at uh, the CW network. Do you watch that? The CW strikes me as a network you might watch. Do you watch that at all? I, uh, you know what I love is the Vampire Diaries. <laughs> See, I knew it. I knew. It. See, I knew you'd you'd know what the CW was. You're, you know, obviously Justin Bieber. Uh, uh, you know, that that same demographic would would watch the CW. I think. <laughs> Love me some Biebs. Yeah, so but she, she no, she's there? she's been. Uh, she runs like uh, it's called traffic. So she runs where all the commercials go and stuff. But I mean, it's a, it's a pretty cake job. And plus, she gets to to be on the Warner Brothers lot. So I think, uh, you know, shoot, she, she she gets more time on the lot than I do, and I'm the actor. So. Uh, <laughs> is that in Burbank, the Warner Brothers lot? Yep, yep, it's right there next to all the all the uh, studios. It's, I mean, it's a big, um, I mean, it's enormous. You know, it's, it's it's got all the stages and everything. It's a pretty. I mean, when you were here, you you probably drove right past it. It was right there next to uh, where we went karaoke. Yes, yes, and I believe yeah. I think that West Wing shot there. I think that's where Alan Alda nearly hit me with his Lexus. <laughs> oh God! Are you serious? Really, Alnalda? Yeah. Well, what happened was, have you, have you ever done background work? No, no, I haven't. But it's brutal. Okay. I know it's it's rough. Don't. Yeah. Don't ever. Don't. Yeah. Do right. um, yeah I know it's so rough. You meet the craziest people you'll ever meet, and so you know I was uh, uh, an extra on the West Wing, and uh, Alan Alda was playing like the guy, the Republican running for president. And um, we were in, like, a press conference, and we were all reporters and stuff. And it was cool because I used to want to be Hawkeye Pierce when I was a kid. So I was like, I used to want to be this guy. Um, Right, right. And and then uh, afterwards, he was very nice. He said goodnight when he walked by us, which, you know, most of the actors weren't saying shit uh, to Mm -hmm. to the extras. And then he he got in his Lexus and just started uh, driving, and then I was just, crossing in front of him, so he stopped, and he didn't really almost hit me, but that's, it sounds better that way. Right, well, it, it, it was really going in the right direction. I thought you were going to say you had words, and you got to add to that story a little bit. You know, embellish. Yeah, I know. Damn it, I should have. You know, I'm very you know honest funny? Person. I think that's my major fault of mine. Well, among many, but you know what's, uh, what's, what's interesting <laughs> about, <laughs> about background work is uh, it being extra – when I was working on a big shoot, they um, they call them something different now, and it's it's about the, the one of the saddest things I've ever heard a group of people called. Oh, they boy, call them they call them atmosphere now. So like the director would say, crop crop out the atmosphere. <laughs> I said this is one wow. of the most demeaning things I've ever. Now you're not even an extra anymore. You're 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 atmosphere. <laughs> I mean, at least it's like a cool-sounding word. It is, but if you think about it, it's like, boy, what is atmosphere but an empty, nameless space? So that's what, yeah, that's like what I am. Worthless. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so be thankful you weren't atmosphere back then. At least you were still an extra. However, I would love to be atmosphere next to Chandler Massey, whose publicist never returns my emails. <laughs> who, who is your Zach Morris, basically? <laughs> yes, exactly. That alone, um, that, that alone should have straight. By the way, <laughs> yes, he does, and so does uh, so is except he's bald now. But Joey Lawrence, he looks about the same. Yeah, yeah, true. I just saw some movie with him the other day, but it's it was that planes, trains, and automobiles, and Joey Lawrence is just a little little kid in it. 
Oh, he's had the long hair and everything. Yeah, long hair and everything. Yeah. Um, the now, Sean, when I was out there, we went to Dimples Karaoke Bar. Is that still open, by the way? Because your wife scared me with that closing. Is it closing? It's it still close? open. It's still open. And here's the funny thing: I just told, I saw a picture of my friend at Dimples from years back, and I said, you know, they're closing that place, or they they had said they were closing it. He said, and he's lived here forever in Burbank. He goes, there has been a Dimples closing rumor for 20 years now. <laughs> He said, I think, I think they start this rumor, he said, just to get people to come in. That makes sense because, you know what, no one, would, no one would come otherwise except for me. No, that's, what, yeah. that's why I, you know, aside from you being there, of course, but that's what I wanted to be there. I wanted to see the place before it closed. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I think this is a long-running scam for this place that they, you know, whenever business gets full, they say we're closing, come on in and, and see it before we destroy it, and then they never close. Well, speaking of Zach Morris, one time at Dimples when I lived there, I, uh, I came out of the bathroom and walked by right by Mr. Belding. Oh, God, dude, he lives there. I, I've heard that <laughs> that guy lives there. I've heard Mr. Belding yeah. lives there at that, at that place. Uh, apparently, he's, uh, he's a nice enough guy, I guess, but apparently he can kind of get creepy to, from what I've heard to <laughs> some, of the, some of the female guests. So that's what, that's what I I've heard. heard. It's, it's, uh, uh, also very selective about what songs to sing. Like if somebody wants to sing a song with him, it needs to like always be some certain Billy Joel song and like nothing else. You know, why is it that we know so many facts about Mr. Bell? <laughs> I mean, Saved by the Bell was the show of <laughs> our generation. It really was. And I don't know if you watched um, any of the New Year's Eve stuff with uh, Slater, uh, Mario Lopez. No. But he, no. yeah, he's, he's going gray. And, like, and, and like my wife said, she goes, she goes, you're Slater. You need to darken that up. You, you, no one wants to see Slater Gray. What, I mean, what are you doing? Well, you know, as Slater, he didn't bother me. But anytime I see him lately, I hate him with the fiery passion of a thousand suns. I detest that man because Do you really? I don't know what it is, but he's so annoying. Like, he's so, like... Like, out of all the hosts, you know, there's, you got the main, you got, like, your Ryan Seacrest, your Carson Daly, uh, your Mario Lopez. Mario Lopez is the only one that I don't believe at all. Like, he's, I don't believe right. any moment from him is genuine, and he just seems like he does the weird fake voice thing, and he sounds right. like, he seems so fake to me. Like, his entire personality is a fabrication. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I get that kind of vibe off of him a little bit, like a little smarmy kind of I'm putting on this fake thing, and then he goes home and, you know, and beats up a 12-year-old boy or something. He just beats him up. And <laughs> it's just what, that's just what Slater does. Because, see, that's the thing. Mario Lopez has never stopped being Slater. He can't get past it. So he's just, he goes home, he works out, he beats up a 12-year-old, and then he comes in the work the next day and he smiles at us. And we, and we forgive him for beating up a 12-year-old. One, one day he's going to slip and be like, Scarlett Johansson, non tonight, and I beat up my 12-year-old son last night. <laughs> in the voice, in the voice, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, I just, I, I don't know. Because I, I, even if the others are kind of phony, which I don't, I don't think they are. Like, I really, I, I believe, like, uh, Ryan Seacrest really knows everyone, is really genuinely interested in everyone and stuff. Like, I... It's, Mario right. Lopez is the only, Carson Daly, same thing. Lopez is the only one that I just, I, I hate. I hate him. 
Well, I, I'll one-up you. I, I, I don't particularly hate him. I, I hate Billy Bush. I, I despise oh, yeah. Billy Bush. Oh, he's the worst. Billy Bush is one of the worst human beings on the planet. And this, and this comes from me absolutely knowing nothing about him, except I can tell you that I despise the man. They did a – on the old Late Night with Conan O'Brien, they did like a sort of documentary where they had like – but it was all about Billy Bush and how annoying he is, and they had Michael Moore on there saying, I went after the wrong Bush with, like, really dramatic music and stuff. Right. That's yeah. great. He's awesome. He's universally loathed. Everyone loathes that guy. It's just, it's, uh, you never find, like, um, you know, there's never an approval rating of any, you know, of 1% or 2%. It's always 0% with, with Billy Bush. There's no approval rating. None. Congress has a better approval rating. Than Congress, yes, yes. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> do you know that the uh, – speaking of Mario Lopez beating up 12-year-olds, do you remember when uh, <laughs> Cody from Step by Step was, was beating his wife up when she was pregnant? No. Yeah, and didn't he die? I think he may have died. I don't, I don't remember. You know, Step by Step kind of fell, like, out of my memory banks along with, like, Small Wonder. It's like one of those shows that kind of just, you know, once it ended, I just kind of forgot about. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's one of those shows, those friend shows that you kind of just watched because it was on, and then when they canceled it, you really didn't care, you know? Yeah. So, like that, uh, like that uh, oh, God, the show with the Everybody Loves Raymond guy, uh, the brother, he had a show that was on Fox for, like, like a few years, and it was just oh, abysmal. Yeah. Uh, and I can't remember the name of it, but I, but once it ended, I was like, okay, well it's over. And, and I, and I ejected it from my memory so I could remember, you know, another like pot roast recipe. So, you know, cause you got to move things out of your brain to, to, to remember pot roast recipes. I got about 50 oh, pot roast thought... recipes, recipes in my I brain. You said, I thought you said cockroach recipe. Oh, no, that's for, that's for Armageddon. That's for after Armageddon where we have to. And that's a good idea. I should probably have a panic room where I have cockroach recipes for the when the when you know when this town is obliterated by the Russians because apparently where the Cold War will start again. Apparently, I've I've just aged us back forty years because there's a Cold War. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, uh, Dimples. Uh, my a uh, couple of my friends um, ate there at Dimples that night. They were very hungry, needed food, and they they were just like a mess for the next day. I, I think. Maybe they're doing cockroach pot roast. There. Really? Oh no! Yeah, and two of them were were getting married. The, you know, the two days later. So it's a good thing whatever it was cleared out of their system. Oh, oh, oh no! Do you remember what they ate? So I don't have it. Um, I wouldn't advise eating anything there, uh, but okay. I think it was like chicken fingers or something like that. Um, and if you'll recall, huh. Dennis Haskins isn't the only sleazy guy there. That old guy who like runs the karaoke and takes the pictures and stuff. All, all he does is grope ladies all night. He was one of the creepiest. Uh, yeah, he was. He was pretty cre- creepy. He was the definition of the uh, the old man at the club. <laughs> it was just. A, it was a, a paw fest. He uh, and then he was like to me. He said, "Who's who's? Which one's your girlfriend?" When we were doing the big birthday <laughs> thing. So I didn't know what to do. So I immediately pointed to uh, my friend Rich Crew. Um, and right. I don't know if you remember his his incredible acting in that moment, but it was a very yes and thing where he just went for it. And for the, for those next few minutes, that guy was my girlfriend. <laughs> wow. I don't remember that. I wish I had taken notice. I think I was just 
too stunned at what was happening with the old man. He was just uh, the, the guy was an enormous douche. <laughs> now, what? Um, yeah. yeah, I remember when I lived there. I used to grope my friend Ainsley all the time. It was oh. he did not take kindly to that. Um, oh. Now, the uh, what song did you sing that night, and, and did it require uh, the strip tease that you performed? Uh, it was, um, I believe, it was "Father Figure" by George Michael. Uh-huh. Uh, it didn't so, go yeah, over yeah. as well as I wanted, but. Um, but nothing ever does in my life. I, I, I mean, I, you know, it's far for the course when it comes to anything I try. That's why I don't try anymore. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think, I think it, the strip tease was, was sort of necessary to get, uh, you know, try and get a response. Unfortunately, it, it, you know, people were just uh, ambivalous. They didn't, there was no response, not one way or another. I would rather that they booed. I'd rather that they, you know. So he said, you know, give me a cockroach recipe. I, I would rather they said something. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got nothing. I got nothing. Nothing at all. Or maybe even I haven't had a. They could have. I haven't had a karaoke performance. What? <laughs> yeah, I, I was gonna say I haven't had a karaoke performance that bad since I did Hey Ya, uh, one year, and I, uh, I, I didn't realize how many words there are in that song, and mm-hmm. I remember I was on stage doing it, and my phone went off. And I, after I finished, he looked down and it was my friend who said, "Get off the stage." <laughs> <laughs> that is not a good friend. No, as he's as I'm on stage, you know, torpedoing the song, you know, yeah, I really needed to be told to get off the stage. Believe me, I wanted to get off. I'm going well, to why run. Why was it so that. bad? It seems like an easy song, and the words would be right in front of you. I, because it's fast, and it's like if you don't know the words and the rhythm, and you know how Andre wow. 3000 raps, he's just it, he's all over the place. And so I didn't realize the song was that difficult, and I thought I'd try something new, plus I was drunk. And then, then it just ended up being an, just an abortion. It's a terrible, terrible uh, <laughs> yeah. performance. By the way, that word that you mentioned before, ambivalent, I'm willing to put money on it that that's not a word. I said ambivalent. But uh, if I did say ambivalous, I think uh, I think I wouldn't take that bet. I think you're right. Roll the tape. <laughs> I, we don't have the technology to do that. Um, well, that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh my God, Sean. Let me tell you, I had the craziest uh, movie experience the other night. Have you seen Inside Lewin Davis? I haven't. I want to see it. I've seen all the the freaking advertisements for it, and it, it looks great. It's so good. Um, so, and, you know, it's, it's a Coen Brothers movie, and it's, you know, it's kind of a low-key movie. So I don't know why any of this shit happens, but <laughs> my friend Jason Friedman and I were sitting there. Uh, he's the paper – I don't know if I've ever told you the paper towel story, but he's the paper towel guy. I no? think you have, yes. Okay. So paper towel guy and I are sitting there, and, <laughs> and um, all – and the movie, like, it hasn't started yet. It's, I think it's just starting the previews. This older woman in the back, so she's, like, up house center. She's at the helm of the ship. She's mm-hmm. like the Kate Mulgrew, if you will. And she uh-huh. yelled out, she, she yelled out, excuse me, is there an usher in here? A man up here is tattling me. Is there an usher? Is there an usher? <laughs> During the movie? Right before it started, like when the previews started. Oh, my God. So 
Friedman and I turn around and we're just staring at what the hell is going on. And the, the thing is that whatever preview was on was like a Wes Anderson movie that looks really good. And so it was hard for me to juggle between which way to look, you know. And so then I, at some point I just decided to stay looking at the, the lady in the back. And the thing is, nobody, like nobody was making a ruckus except her and the guy who was purportedly hassling her was just sitting there. I mean, he was extremely overweight, so I don't know if that had to do with it. But he was just sitting there and not saying anything while she's screaming about him. And then Holy her husband, crap. <laughs> the, the lady's husband gets up, runs to get an usher, and I turn to Friedman and I say, did he just leave her with the guy who was hassling her? <laughs> and, and Friedman's like, he just left her. This happened. So, so, so uh, the woman screams out that there's a guy harassing her, and her husband, the first thing he thinks to do is to leave her there with the guy. Yeah, yeah exactly. And he goes and gets an usher, and then they come back, and um, the usher uh, – and, and it was a while before the, the guy came back. So the husband left her to get harassed for a while before they came back. Oh, and right. The usher comes back, and, like, I don't know if he scolds the guy or does something – um, but the guy, the guy who's allegedly harassing her just stays there. And this other woman, this is like maybe halfway through the movie now, and they're still all sitting back there. This, this other woman who's sitting back there on the other side, she gets up and she goes, I'm leaving, and starts storming <laughs> out. And some, uh, the other guy, I think it was the husband of the first lady, he says, you're leaving. You know, like, we should be the ones to leave. And so she oh starts storming God. out. And then she goes and waits, like, house left, uh, you know, to the left of the seats. And her and the big fat fuck keeps looking over at the, the lady who's waiting over there. Um, and he keeps on shrugging his shoulders, like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know. That's the guy who's allegedly harassing the other lady. I'm speechless. And so at some point, the big fat guy, he gets up, and then he... And his uh, girlfriend, or whatever she was, who, who also yelled out, I'm leaving, they wind up sitting in one of the front rows. So they go from the very back row of the theater to one of the very front rows of the theater, and they watch the rest of the movie that, that way. And after the In the middle over, of the movie? The first thing that Friedman could say to me was, what was happening in there? <laughs> Whoa! God, I wish you had heard what the harassment, quote-unquote, was. I know. Oh, and what a weird reaction. Like, why would she just stay there and scream about it? There was nothing. I mean, if that was going on with me there, I would be like waiting for Ashton Kutcher to walk out or something. I mean, there's, there was something. It was, I would have felt like I was punked or, I mean, you know, Betty White comes out. and I mean, something. I, that's, that's that would have made amazing. more sense because they were old as hell. You know, the Betty White yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. that's that that's you know, I the only experience I've had that's like that was we were watching um that movie with Woody Harrelson and Demi Moore, uh, Indecent Proposal. Yes. And uh and we watched the whole movie and then it gets to the climax scene and the film rips. The film just the ripped. The film ripped. ripped. It ripped uh-huh. as it we, it was getting to the climax scene. We've been sitting there for two hours waiting for this thing to end. And uh, and the film rips at the climactic moment of the whole movie. So we so we so we had to sit there and we waited. I think it was probably ten to fifteen minutes. They were probably switching wheels, getting another film, uh, and then we watched the last you know five minutes of the movie, and then they gave us our money back. Oh, 
Uh, so did you see the? Did you wind up seeing the whole movie, or it was you missed the whole climax part? Well, no, we we had to wait, but we saw it. We waited about fifteen minutes, and then we saw the last five minutes, and then you know, then we walked out. <laughs> <laughs> um, that you, you know that happened at uh at Bryant Park a few years ago. They were showing Superman, and I was with my friend Nick Fondoulis, and uh, uh, you know they were showing this free movie, so a bunch of people go and watch it in the summertime. And mm-hmm. at some point, the sound just cut out. And then what was great about it was that. Everyone in the thing, they start going, you know, everyone starts singing the soundtrack, which was great. That went a lot better than I think your situation. Oh, but about what you were saying, the same kid that I went to the Inside Lewin Davis with, Jason Friedman, he tells me as we're walking into the movie before all the chaos, he says, so I took my two nephews to see, uh, um, what's the, the, oh, Anchorman 2. And I was like, oh, yeah, how was it? And, And he goes, didn't work. And I said, oh, you mean like it, it's, not, it's not a good sequel? The comedy, right. Yeah, and he was like, no, it, just, it didn't work. And I said, what do you mean? Like they, they did it too soon or it just wasn't funny? And he was like, no, like the film actually didn't work. Like they couldn't get it to play. At all? For the whole time he was there? <laughs> yeah, I guess it was a disaster. I don't know what. I, he, he, he said he never saw it. How does that happen in the, the, the at, like today in 2014? How does that happen? Well, that's like that night on Blazing Ride backstage when I told John Weeks, uh, you know, what, what would you say if we could turn back time? And he said, I, as, as soon as we can time travel, then that that's it. We've done it. And I said, well, what about making a fucking copy machine that works? You know, nobody seems to have done that yet. Yeah, no uh, doubt, man. Yeah, that's one of those things where it's like you know, we, we, we are building robots, yet we can't, you know, have a, cough, a, a copy machine that doesn't put a smudge in the right corner of every copy. <laughs> there will be days in my day job where, like, every single printer is down at the same time. It's absurd. 2014, where oh. are the flying cars? <laughs> Dude, I have always – I've been saying that for years, and, and, I mean, I know that I would be the worst flying car driver because uh, I'm not a good driver as it is, uh, and I know I would cause numerous airborne accidents, and, and people would die, and that's, you know, that's, you know, that's pretty much a given, but it's, it's part of the risk of having flying cars. But uh, I have been wanting flying cars for, since I was a kid. When I would sit in traffic with my dad, I'd be like, why can't we just fly over all this? And, uh, you yeah. know, pull a minority report and whatever. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 boy, that's been – if I could live to see flying cars, I would – I think I'd, I'd be whole. <laughs> that and a celebrity follows you on Twitter. That and a celebrity follows me on Twitter, right. Yeah, it's funny, man. When you see that happen, it's, it's – and sometimes they just follow you out of nowhere. Uh, who's it's, who's it's, been following you? Know, you? Oh, I, man, mostly comedians uh, and, and writers. Um, you know, Patton Oswalt's by far my biggest follower. Um, oh, wow. Which, he, yeah, he's, you know, but he's, he's so funny. But it was just, uh, it, it all because of that Jamie Kennedy thing last year. Right. Um, which, by the way, uh, they didn't do this year. They, they canceled it. <laughs> they canceled it because Kennedy had been promising they were going to do another one. And, uh, and on December 20th, uh, the, the, the station said, we are not doing it this year, and we will never do it again. <laughs> <laughs> what station was that? It was some random station, right? 
KDOC. Yeah, this local uh, local station. I don't even think it's an affiliate of anything. I think it's just. I mean, it's not. You know, it's not like attached to like the CW or anything like that. I think I unless it's WB. I'm not sure what it is. I don't think it's anything. I think it's just an independent station. But uh, yeah, they came out after Kennedy was saying he was going to do it again. They came out and said, absolutely not. We're never giving this guy any part of our network ever again. Um, <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> Because well, people were asking it, me. Um, it was funny because people were asking me. I said people were asking me like I was the authority on this. I was getting tweets from people like. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if, you know, you would come out with another viral New Year's yeah. time this year. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it I was think crazy, but, I was uh, listening yeah. to Dana Carvey on the John Lovitz podcast, and he was talking about how Carvey was talking about how he and a bunch of um, clean comedians will do – some sort of thing every year or something. And, uh, and and Jamie Kennedy was one of the clean comedians. And all I could think about was you, the, your special that you produced last year and how filthy it was. Right. Wow. Yeah, Carvey's another one that follows me, actually, too. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. It's just, you know, somebody so told me, the they go, yeah, they told me, they said, you know, you have more celebrity followers than you do regular ones. I said, I don't know how that is. I mean, yeah, I can't get, a, I can't get an agent to read my... Uh, uh, read anything of mine, but yet I got, you know, and then Pat Oswalt followed me. And a lot of other, a lot of, like I said, a lot of other comedians, so it's cool. Do you think you could get Chandler Massey's publicist to, to follow you and then you can <laughs> yeah, communicate yeah, you know you on Twitter? I'll start using as many hashtags as I can to make that happen. <laughs> you know what's also crazy about that is that he has the same publicist. His name, the publicist's name is Jess Ballard. And he's the same guy who does publicity for Charlie Sheen. Um, okay. And I guess Charlie Sheen caught wind that uh, Days of Our Lives was replacing my guy Chandler Massey with uh, maybe my new guy, uh, whose name is Guy something, mm-hmm. Guy Wilson. Um, and Charlie Sheen and Chandler was leaving NBC, leaving Days of Our Lives to go to, to college. Now Charlie Sheen went on this Twitter tirade saying, like, how dare NBC fire Chandler Massey? He has two Emmys, and he's a winner, and you guys don't know what you're doing. And he called them, like, pig fuckers or something. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, dude. That's and, and he was leaving on his own? Yeah, although Chan- they, yeah, Chandler did, left. they did end his contract a few months early, and they say it's because the timing just worked out better for everyone. But maybe there's something to what Charlie Sheen's saying. I don't know. You know what? There's always something to what Charlie Sheen says. I, I, the guy is, uh, I'll tell you what, he's one of my follows because, I mean, I follow him because you never yeah. know what he's going to say. I follow him like I follow Conseco uh, and like I follow Cher because all three of those people will say, dude, I'm telling you, if you want to laugh, you, you follow Cher because Cher is like, watching Cher tweet is like watching your 70-year-old grandmother try and text. It's, it, it's nonsensical jargon and, and, and punctuation marks, and it's, it's some of the craziest stuff you'll – if you were just to read Cher's tweets out loud, you would say this woman clearly is autistic. <laughs> did not know that's where you were going with that one. You, you, you would – I'm telling you, read Cher's tweets. There, there is something – I just – I can't I'm, – I'm, I'm addicted to it. It's like how I was addicted for a minute to Amanda Bynes' tweets. It took four minutes, and then that was it. <laughs> and that was it, right? <laughs> yeah. 
But I, there's something about the loony ones, the the, the kind of nutso tweets that just kind of – I think that's what Twitter is all about is just trying to figure out who's the craziest and, and reading their stuff. <laughs> um, well, since Cher has come up, I, and I don't think you've heard this yet, I would be remiss if, if I didn't play you our, our Blazing Right Backstage remix of If I Could Turn Back Time. Would it be all right if I played Oh, that yeah. Go ahead. I'd love to hear it. Okay, I'm gonna do it, and then we'll be back, and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll ruin the good time we're having by telling some of my jokes. All right, all right. Here's the the share remix. Hope it's I mean, quick. shut the fuck up. It was share. If I could turn back down, I could turn back down. I said, I believe in life after love. Share, totally believe in life after love. You probably got up my anus somehow. You will look like an idiot. Complete idiot. We don't need to somebody. Keep us in jail. Keep us there. I think we like it. Yeah. Throw away the key. This is how it is. It's joyride. We joyride over here. There's piss stains all over the damn toilet. No, there's fumes all over that damn toilet. Thank <laughs> you. 
live a natural, normal life, terrible idea. I mean, it would be insane. It would be great. What would be terrible? What I would listen to it either way. Aren't you lucky? I mean, maybe you can figure them with snow patrol. Just because they have that kind of icy cold thing to them, you know? <laughs> You mentioned that the, the creator of Wizard of Waverly Place actually follows me too. Oh, oh really? Yeah, Todd you know, Greenwald. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I love that you know the Wizard of Waverly Place's uh, creator's name. 
I only know him because he followed me. And then so I was like, I looked at him and it said, creator of Wizards Waverly. So I said, okay, I'll follow this guy's back, follow him back. Um, so. the, now, you, you're, I believe you're Facebook friends with my friend Tom Fogarty. And if you'll notice, he looks like a wizard. I'll have to look it up. Does he have the beard and everything? He has like a, a chin soul patch thing, but yeah, he, he has long <laughs> hair. and So he looks like a uh-huh. wizard. And then I realized, it, it dawned on me one week, I said to him on the show, I was like, what street do you live on again? And he said, Waverly. And he actually does live on Waverly Place in Greenwich Village. Are you so kidding? The wizard of Waverly Place. He, he is. Yes. <laughs> wow. That worked out. Yeah. It's worked out so well. So yeah. this uh, one hour of comedy that you're doing, what 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 can people expect uh, from you? What are you going to talk about? Uh, well, so far I'm talking a lot about uh, social media, a lot about, um, uh, you know, kind of uh, why I was disgusted with Facebook. Um, there's a, there, like, I, I think I've got six or seven minutes on Facebook and Twitter and stuff. I talk a lot about relationships and, um, you know, swinging, uh, real life stuff. It's 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 basically the type of Sean Boyle's comedy that I continue to do, which is just telling shitty stories about my life and uh, and making it funny. <laughs> well, um, you know, Bill Cosby, uh, all all he's ever done is tell stories, and he's he's made a pretty good living off that. I tell you, I think you know, and and uh, you know, I, I've never been a one-liner type comic. I've never been, you know, one of those guys that just tells jokes. So I just seem, you know, I think it's funny that people, when people can laugh at your misery. So if I can take my misery and like, because if you really, if you just wrote, you know, if you read my book, then you would look at it. It's called Just Give Up. And if you if you read it, reading it is is pretty, you know, if you you didn't make it funny, it'd be pretty depressing. I mean, you'd read it and you'd like, why is this guy still alive? Why hasn't he killed himself? So, so my, so my, the way I do it is I have to make it funny so that you're not feeling sorry for me as much as you are laughing that I continue to survive. <laughs> so that's, that's my goal with anything I write. Hot damn, he woke up this morning. <laughs> you're right, right. Why did he do that? Why did he wake up knowing what was in store for him? Uh, this is, I have to hear more. So yeah, that's that's. <laughs> By the way, just an, an update on my Twitter uh, interaction. Uh, Michael Fairman, the soap guru, he uh, responded 29 minutes ago and said January 8th. Hey, guess what? Fuck that. Who cares? The guy Wilson already responded. The, the actual well, guy. That's right. Yeah, so you don't need that guy anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope you retweeted it. By the way. What'd you say? I said, I hope you retweeted, because anytime I get a I get a shout out from any celebrity, I always retweet it so that I feel better about myself, and I can let people oh, know, hey, you know, I've got celebrities. So I hope you retweeted when Guy, uh, whatever his last name is, uh, tweeted at you. Yeah, Wilson. Yeah, and his name's yeah. Wilson, which is also weird because it's the story on Days of Our Lives is the characters Will and Sonny, so their nickname has been Wilson, and now the guy's oh, name God. is Guy Wilson. See, that's another wizard on Waverly Place thing. I mean, that just worked out too perfectly. <laughs> um, but uh, now, I will not say anything bad about Michael Fairman, though. I didn't really mean fuck that or whatever, because right. mainly because when he when he comes on, we get like six thousand listeners. So hey, hey, love you guys. Wow. Um, <laughs> but uh, oh, right, jokes, huh? Okay. Yeah. Let's tell some jokes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> this is uh, 
these are I, I read the majority of these and and actually you you kind of are getting the hang of this whole comedy thing a little bit oh well that is that is high praise thank you yeah well you want me to start please would you well yeah i because i like this first one uh well the supreme court has put same-sex marriage on hold in utah did you did you know that during the appeals process that, it was legalized yeah. it was legalized last month but they put put it on hold same-sex marriage but uh you know the funny thing is men there are still allowed to have as many wives as they want. Ah. So there seems to be something a bit off by that. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, did you hear about this, Sean? German leader Angela Merkel suffered a pelvic injury on a skiing vacation in the Swiss Alps. Did you know this? Uh-uh, I did not. Well, the man responsible for the, in- for the injury said, oh, yeah. These are a new crotch jumps. Let me uh, take that back. <laughs> oh, yeah. These are new crotch jumps. Look. Now, look. Now, look. That's what happens when you let our secrets out. In your face, Merkel. I'm about to mark you. I, I've got to I've got applaud that Obama. That was, boy. You know, not only am I applauding that Obama, I'm applauding that you didn't give the black eye the Obama. That, that, that's great, man. <laughs> Exactly. Well, we could start where we finish. All right. Well, uh, did you know uh, Men's Warehouse? They uh, they offered a hostile takeover bid uh, for uh, it's, I think it's is it Jose Bank or is it uh, yeah. how's that pronounced? Jose Bank. Yeah. Uh, also hostile, by the way, is anyone who's ever shopped at Men's Warehouse. You ain't because, never lie. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a, it's a zoo in there. <laughs> Steven Seagal is considering a bid to become governor of Arizona. His lieutenant governor would be DMX. <laughs> You've got my vote. Uh, yeah, you know, speaking of politics, you know, uh, Mitt Romney accepted Melissa Harris Perry's apology. Uh, she, uh, I don't know if you, you saw this, but on her, her show on MSNBC, she and a, a whole panel made fun of his adopted African, African-American grandson. Did you know that? I, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he accepted her apology, but then he went on to issue his own apology to all Republicans uh, for being Mitt Romney. <laughs> so things kind of things kind of evened out there, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> O.J. Simpson has been diagnosed with brain cancer, and uh, he actually uh, wrote a letter begging President Obama for release from jail so he could get treated. Obama responded by saying, well, Juice, I would like, I wouldn't let you go if you would stop robbing and killing people. <laughs> Seems simple enough. I'm telling you, I, you know, I, I can see you're using these jokes as a vehicle to get, become the next Obama guy on, on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> you know, ever since Billy Crystal got in trouble for Sammy Davis, I don't know if I could do that. Oh, that's true. Same with C. Thomas Howell and Soul Man. Yeah, I think that's, that ended all that for you. Um, <laughs> or Daryl so Hammond as Jesse Jackson. Or Dar- but that was brilliant. Uh, absolutely brilliant. He, he, is, he is definitely one of the best. Uh, anyway, uh, Justin Timberlake is being a schizophrenic. Do you know that? Did he? Is, did, is he really Daryl Hammond? Yeah, I just read that on Wikipedia, so you know how reliable that is. Oh, yeah, because it, it, all it takes is an email account to post stuff on there. So, sure, let's do that. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, speaking of SNL, you know, Justin Timberlake, you know, he's my, uh, you know, that's, if I had a, a, a man crush, it would be on Justin Timberlake. He's your Zach Morris? 
Yeah, he's my Zach Morris. He's my he's my Chandler Bing or whatever the hell your guy name is. Uh, <laughs> Don't you dare get his name wrong. <laughs> Chandler, ugh, I can't remember his name. Uh, but anyway, Justin, Justin Timberlake. Justin Timberlake. Yes. He, I didn't know this that he had the best selling album of 2013, uh, 2020 Experience that sold two and a half million copies, uh, which I didn't know. But that pretty much. Uh, I think the record business is officially dead. I mean, for 2.5 million copies, that's, that was the best-selling album. That's less than I had to give my first wife. Hello! Because yeah, apparently I'm P. Diddy, uh, and, and I, I have 2.5 million. <laughs> last night, it was reported that Liz Cheney is ending her Senate bid. This marks the end of a campaign mired in scandal. Uh, about Liz's opposition to marriage equality, her sister Mary said, for the record, I love my sister, but she is dead wrong on the issue of marriage. Other things Cheney's are wrong on, it being okay to shoot your friends in the face. (laughs) Really? That's wrong? Apparently, yeah, I guess so. Well, I guess it depends on what you're shooting. So uh, we'll we'll close it up with with, uh, some more MSNBC news. Uh, on NBC's Morning Joe Monday, uh, asked whether he would run for president. Montana Governor Brian Schweitzer said, I haven't decided about that. And then he said, you know, it would probably ruin my life. And, and in response, Mitt Romney said, yeah, tell me about it. Uh, <laughs> see, I feel like I need so a band for these moments. Uh, yeah, hey, and to play us out. You do. I, I, hey, we needed a laugh track there because those were, those were good ones. Those were probably your best batch yet. <laughs> <laughs> I think if they were actually good, you would not need a laugh track, sir, no? That's true. Boy, quite the conundrum. Quite the conundrum. Speaking of these laugh tracks, you know what I, I realized recently is I have no tolerance for shows with laughter on them anymore. I don't know what it is, but after watching, um, like, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Arrested Development, The Office, 30 Rock, uh, Parks and Rec, all these shows that don't have either a live audience or laugh track, I can't right. go back and watch any of those other shows except maybe Seinfeld, but I really I can't I make was, the laugh. Dude, I was just about to say that. I am uh, – everything I write, all my scripts are single camera. They're, they're, I, I don't write any shows that would be a, a, a multi-camera, you know, live audience or laugh track because I just think they just sound horrible. And it's just, uh, you know, it's just so cheesy now. You know, it, yeah. it, uh, the, the only one, like you said, that, that seems to still be okay was Seinfeld. And it's funny, I just read an article today, uh, Jerry Seinfeld's bringing back his show, um, uh, Driving with Comedians or whatever it's called, Coffee with Comedians. Yeah. Uh, and and he, was ta- he was talking about how, and I didn't know this, he was talking about how on Seinfeld they used a combination of a live studio audience and laugh track. Uh, okay. Because he said some of the scenes, like at the coffee and some of those places, they couldn't have an audience. So, like, he, he said you can, if you listen, you can tell the difference between the live audience and the laugh track. Wow. Yeah, so I didn't know I that. Say, I just that today. But if I say to people, like, uh, you know, I can't, I can't handle the laugh track, and people will be like, oh, so you, you rather show with the live audience? And I said, no, that's just as bad. I just can't do right. laughing. I can't do no, it. Like, me, I, no. Oh, especially yeah. with Sonny and Philly and all these shows now. Yeah, like you said, Curb, it just seems to, uh, you know, I, don't tell me when to laugh. You know, if I'm going <laughs> to laugh, I'm going to laugh. I don't, I don't need right. the, the, the audience guy to, t- to tell me, oh, that was a joke, so let me laugh. 
that's why, why, that's why dads is, you know, dads is probably using, uh, you know, laugh track automated 5,000 to try and let keep that show on the air because dads <laughs> is abysmal. <laughs> I think the same uh, producers behind the Jamie Kennedy New Year's special produced dads. Produced dads, I bet, I bet you're right because it is, it is horrible. And it's not, it's not even like they can say uh, like Jamie Kennedy did, oh, I meant to do it that way. I meant to do it. That, no, no, you didn't. You, you didn't mean it at all. It's terrible. <laughs> um, well, you mentioned Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Is, is that a, do you watch that? Do you love it? Oh, yeah. I love it, man. I, uh, that's, it's one of my favorites. That's, kind of, that's kind of how I write. So I love it. It's just like very conversational, and, you know, the way they talk is just hilarious. Um, that's probably one of my top – well, not probably anything. It's, it's one of my top five sitcoms right now. You know, along with Did Modern you, Family, of course, and, you know, yeah. things like that. Did you see the episode uh, uh, Frank Reynolds' Little Beauties with the beauty pageant? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have not, like, cried watching a TV show in, you know, I don't know how long, but I was laughing so hard when Danny DeVito came out in that, like, that like, right. pool makeup or whatever. Right. Uh, I was I, I was tearing up. It was it's one of my favorite television moments of all time. Dude, uh, Danny DeVito uh, made that show, and I and I don't know if you remember, but the first season he wasn't a part of it. Yeah. And so he came in the second season, and it just you know it went from from nuts to batshit insane basically. Uh, once he came into it, you know I just I remember like the moment I remember is him slithering naked out of the couch. Uh, uh, that's it all oiled up. That was yeah. one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen, and uh, yeah, that that it's it's amazing. I've been trying to get on that show for years. I've been trying to uh, contact those guys and, and stuff, and um, I got kind of close. But uh, you know, they're actually trying to produce other programs now because I think Sunny's going to end next year. Right. Yeah, they're doing one yeah. more season. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that would be you that know would be I the said dream before the last season started. I said. You know, I, I think that this show, show could go on forever. It's it's so good. And then last season happened, and I'm, I'm not sure it could go on forever anymore. This past season was probably the funniest of all of them. But, uh, I, I mean, they so? – See, I, I didn't think so. But I thought it was good, but I didn't think it was that – I didn't think it was like – you know, I wasn't rolling I on the floor it, like before. Yeah, you I was. So? I mean, there was there were so many good moments this year. But uh, I – a few years ago um, – it was they had a pretty terrible season one of it was it was part of the season where frank's brother uh they they did a bit where they like went back to the 50s and you saw frank's brother and he married some black chick or whatever but yeah. um but that was to me the, the worst season but yeah right so i think I, do, I honestly think it's one of, it's probably going to go down as one of the best comedies ever i mean in, in my opinion yeah it's it's amazing i love that show yeah yeah, now they're gonna pull a Jim Brown or Barry. That's the season you're talking about. That's the season with uh, with the Frank's Little Beauties on it. That was a great episode. I mean, there was there was probably two episodes that season I actually watched, but I mean, liked. But the rest of them were pretty. I don't know what what they were doing. Was that was that the Fat Max season? Um, yeah, th- yes, it was. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that that just kind of fizzled out too. I thought they were gonna use Fat Max a little more, but. Um, oh, I just almost said Macklemore. I, I'm, I'm, now I got to go to prison. Um, <laughs> um, the, you can't say Macklemore on internet radio. <laughs> you can't say it. I got to cut off a thumb now, like samurai style. 
by the way, the, 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 there's a new interaction on Twitter, and this I didn't even think about it. I was going to open up the you know Pandora's box here. Now I have some guy named Nate tweeting to all of us, the guy Wilson, Blazing Rye, Buzzworthy Radio, saying, "Guy, are you doing interv- any interviews for joining Days? Excited to see you on the eighth. I you know I can't deal with these people now." Well, you, now you opened it up because especially now that you, well, first of all, guy opened it up by responding at all. So now yeah, everybody thinks that now everybody thinks they're going to get a you know a piece of guy here. Uh, cool. So you know, and maybe that's what you want. Maybe maybe you know maybe he becomes a new channeler and and you know and you get him on the show and you profess your your admiration. You get you, we just need you get to make sure that his publicist doesn't talk to Chandler Massey's publicist. Is what we need to make sure. Also, probably limits put limits on Brendan Urie's publicist. Can't be talking to any of that. Uh, you know, I noticed, Sean, that Alex Trebek has been trending for a while on Twitter, and I'm a little worried he's dead. So let me just click what on is and it? see what's going on. Yes, please do. This could be breaking news on, on the Blaze and Rye show. Whew. Let's see. Alex Trebek rapping on Jeopardy tonight. Oh, oh my God. I, it says, here's Alex Trebek rapping Dr. Dre's nothing but a G-thang on Jeopardy. Okay, I... I think you know what you need to do. I think that the app absolutely becomes a part of your next show. There, there's no way you don't play the audio of that. Absolutely not. I've got to hear this thing. Yeah. Oh, Are you telling me not to play the audio on the next show or to play it? No, I'm saying you have to. I said there's no way you can't not do it. I, I mean, I used about five double negatives there. Basically, I'm just telling you to play it on the next show. <laughs> okay. I won't not can't. Right. Won't. Not. Don't play it. <laughs> um, Don't. Well, that's fantastic. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm, I'm glad he's not dead. You remember a couple of years ago when he had an intruder and chased him out of the house, bust naked? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, didn't he have a weapon or something? <laughs> I, I don't know. I think it was one of those buzzers from Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because who wouldn't run from one of those buzzers? <laughs> Oh, All right, so uh, the book is called Just Give Up, Why Nothing in Life is Worth Trying Ever by Sean Broyles. You can go to justgiveup.seanbroyles.com. Uh, and is that the website, or should they go to seanbroyles.com, or which does it matter? Which one? Just go, yeah, just go to seanbroyles.com. It will it'll take you to all the, uh, uh, the, the videos and, and the blog and, um, and everything else. You can look at old uh, black dude, white chick clips. Um, and, uh, you know, we're hoping to make uh, 2014, you know, a year where I can uh, finally get into somebody's office and, you know, maybe get on TV for once. And I did just, and I did just book a couple of new commercials, so look for me on Nickelodeon. There's a Nickelodeon oh. campaign. And, uh, and then I booked a uh, – I got a national CarMax commercial airing soon. So you can look for me on, on TVs anywhere near you. Uh, CarMax, is that the cold sore medication? Car, that's Carmex. That's Carmex. But yes, it's the, Carmex is the one that gives you cancer. Now, as far as I know, Carmex does not give you cancer. Apparently, it's just where you go to get uh, good trade-in on, on cars and stuff. So I, I play a Carmex representative, and I don't give you cancer like Carmex. <laughs> remember that old rumor? Remember the old rumor? I don't know if you remember that. There was a rumor that Carmex gave you cancer. And so everybody, like, stopped really? using Carmex. And I'm amazed that that, that survived you know, all this time because they're still making it. I mean, how do you survive a cancer rumor? 
Uh, well, diet sodas and cell phones and stuff, they're all doing pretty well. Oh, that's true. I guess, yeah, because like, everything causes cancer. There's a Michigan State sweatshirt I have that probably causes cancer. So, yeah, you're right. Everything yeah. causes cancer. By yeah. the way, I went to a urologist recently. Oh, no. and uh for some reason i just felt compelled to tell you this at the end of the show um Uh he there was um you know there was a little irritation and the guy um uh he was an older gentleman the doctor and uh he said uh uh he said well you know what's what's the problem and i said well i i had a you know a situation recently i wasn't uh very careful uh, sexually, right. and there's been some irritation ever since. And and then he said, "Yeah, that seems to be a common problem. My my favorite clients are these business guys who just came back from Thailand. And I had a guy, and he are you came, joking? He came to me and he said, uh, you know, Doc, I just got back from Thailand, and you know now something's wrong. And he had chlamydia. So then." Uh, I said, all right, well, you know, it happens, but you got to protect yourself. And he's married, by the way. Then, a couple months later, oh, this same guy comes back, uh, back from Thailand, and he had chlamydia again. I said, what are you doing? And he said, but, Doc, she was so good. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. What, what are you doing during all I'm just, I, Are you just like, okay, that's a nice story, but can you just – look at my penis for a second can you can we not talk about <laughs> i mean that's a good good story doc but i'm here for my own thing here <laughs> well two things came to mind one was i need to tell this to john weeks on the next backstage episode um uh-huh. which i did and uh the other thing was the curb your enthusiasm episode where larry's uh ther- he runs into his therapist at some like baseball signing thing and his therapist uh-huh. goes, I had a client, uh, he played lead guitar for Grand Funk Railroad. Well, now you know he's, you know, that's Mark Farmer, so I may as well just say it. And then he, like, ah! later in the episode, he's like, well, Larry, I had a client, he directed Star Wars. I'm not going to tell you his name. And Larry's like, hey, oh he's my like, George Lucas. Everybody knows George Lucas. You know, it reminded me of that. Like, should this guy that's really be saying great. this right now? Right. Well, at least, you know, I mean, businessmen going to Thailand are probably a dime a dozen. So I guess he didn't really out the guy. Too much. Now, so let me qualify that even more. Business. I can qualify that even more. Businessmen who go to Thailand and come back with chlamydia are probably a dime a dozen. <laughs> the, the businessman um, who who said that he said, you know, she, Doc, she was so good, but the odds that it was an actual she, I think, coming back from Thailand are very low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, on that note. Um, well, that was I'm, a great way to end the show. <laughs> I am so glad that you came back to join us. It's the second year in a row you're on the first show. I feel like it's a, it's a bit of, I was saying this earlier, like a Bill Murray and, and Letterman thing where, you know, wherever Dave goes next, Bill Murray is always the first guest. So uh, I appreciate oh, it. Oh, I love and, it. Uh, I know I just compared us both to, like, comic icons, but why not? You really did, and I, I'm not arguing that. I'll argue with you about a lot, but I, I like that one. That you, I'll let you stick with that. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, all right. Sean Broyles, thank you so much. Happy New Year, my friend. Happy, happy birthday to you, too. <laughs> happy Thanksgiving. Good night, sir. <laughs> See you later, Ryan. 
<laughs> Take care. All right, we're going to end it with a recent guest on Blazing Rye. If you haven't listened to this interview with Tommy James, go ahead and do it. We're going to end it on a, on a you know, we've, we've gotten some sad songs tonight. Let's end it with a peppy note. Happy New Year, everyone. And keep on listening. Keep on downloading on the iTunes and go check out dollarshaveclub.com.
on guitar, Mr. John Golden. On bass guitar, David Santos. On keyboards, Hal Gold. Benny Harrison. <laughs> and on drums, the hitman, Glenn Wyka. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. DW Group. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.